Good evening. On behalf of the Orchard Chamber of Commerce, I'd like to welcome everybody to the All Candidates Forum for the City of Yorkton Municipal Election. My name is Marty Sven-Bjornsson and I'm the chair of the Chamber's Policy Committee. The Chamber is a non-partisan organization which does not lend its support to any party or candidate. Chambers across the province have held or will be holding similar forums in order for the public and especially the business community to meet the candidates and learn about their views on issues and opportunities facing the city. The Chamber hopes that you will enjoy the format of this forum and it extends its appreciation to The Rock, 98.5 FM, and Access Now for broadcasting the event and live streaming it. I now have the pleasure of introducing our moderator for the evening, Randy Atkinson. Randy has moderated a number of forums for the Chamber. His passion for democracy and his ability to keep such an important event on time are much appreciated. Please join me in welcoming Randy Atkinson. Thanks, Marty. Um, this is a uh, masked event, of course, with COVID-19, so um, the candidates can remove their masks when they are answering a question if they choose to do so because we do have social distancing taking place. Nice to see you all here. Nice to see the big turnout, of course, that we've got with the candidates running. And uh, for myself, I'm kind of experiencing a bit of the circle of life. As a child, you're in a high chair and here I am tonight at the podium. I will be perched on a high chair because age spares no one. 17 candidates, two for mayor, 15 seeking six councillor chairs. We'll begin with the mayors, then the council candidates will be divided into five groups of three. All will have 90 seconds for an opening statement, followed by three questions, and again, 90 seconds to answer each of those questions. Groupings and speaking order were predetermined with the draw. Now the chamber will be timing this to my left. So keep an eye on things because you have 90 seconds. The green card when it comes up will mean 30 seconds remaining. The yellow card will signify you're down to 15 seconds. The red card means you're done, and if you're speaking, I'll be cutting you off. So hopefully you'll get your message in and in the allotted time. We're ready to go in the uh, predetermined draw we had for the two mayoralty candidates, current councillors Aaron Keenley and Mitch Hipsley. They are at my broadcast right. For those that are watching on access, to my broadcast left are the first three councillor candidates. We will rotate between the tables so that they can be disinfected after the group that is sitting there have finished answering their questions. 
So the questions and speaking order, well, we'll get to that in a moment. We'll do the opening remarks. I always seem to forget that one, either, don't I? Um, so the order for opening remarks, mayoral candidate Mitch Hipsley. Mitch. Well, good evening, everyone, and thank you to the Yorkton Chamber of Commerce for making this evening possible. My name is Mitch Hipsley, and I've been a proud member of the Chamber now for 35 years. I'm a third-generation Yorktonite, born, raised, and educated all in Yorkton. Married my high school sweetheart and was blessed with four daughters with whom we raised right here as well. I've been a businessman for 37 years as a photographer with our studio downtown. My adult education came from the world's best as I worked with people all over North America. My profession has taught me to listen and learn from thousands of personal conversations with people in all walks of life. From office towers to the street people down on their luck, I'm one of the easiest people you'll ever talk to. We've been avid supporters of the Health Foundation for 25 years, the Yorkton Terriers for 27. I've been a board member for the Yorkton Credit Union, as well as teaching and judging for the professional photographers of Canada. We continue to support numerous organizations like the Yorkton Legion, Sign, and Big Brothers, to name a few. Serving on council for four years has taught me a lot of how money is spent and how it could be better spent. I am now at a time in my life that I want to give back to my community. We, closed, we chose to stay and raise our family in a safe community full of opportunity. It is rich in culture and amenities for inexpensive living and has so much more potential. I know I can make a difference now in my life. I believe in Yorkton, and I love this big town. Thank you, uh, Mitch. Opening remarks, Aaron Keenley. Aaron? Good evening. I'm Aaron Keenley. I have owned and operated businesses in Yorkton for nearly 20 years, including winning a Chamber of Commerce Celebrate Success Award. I aim to be the next mayor of Yorkton. It's clear if you compare the commitment of both Mitch and myself these last four years as city councillors and the work we each have done, it is evident that I am the right choice to lead this city. Mitch is simply not ready or as committed as I have been and we have no reason to believe that this would change if he becomes mayor. I am part of more committees, have attended more conventions, more regional sessions, mayor's summer school, earning two municipal leadership development certificates, and when it appeared council's relationship was splitting, I organized a third party facilitator to come in and help repair it. I was the first councillor to ever be added to a construction planning committee. I'm tied for the best attendance record with only missing two council meetings. Mitch has missed eight. In our first year where we were doing the bulk of our learning, he missed nearly 20% of his meetings. I have simply been more committed. So far, Mitch's campaign is focused on 0% tax increases for four years, and this is something he cannot accomplish on his own. I would remind everyone that Mitch has publicly spoke against the idea of 0%, and I quote, we have to be realistic to the taxpayers. If everyone wants 0%, we would be backsliding, end quote. The way I have communicated, educated, and committed myself far surpasses my opponent. While I am ready to lead and help to provide solutions, Mitch stated in his recent YBIT interview that he, quote, doesn't have the answers. Together, we can make the right choice and vote Aaron Keenly for mayor of the city of Yorkton. Thank you. Thank you very much, Aaron. We'll now move to the uh, questions that we have for the uh, mayoralty candidates. First question will be answered by Aaron Keenley. What is the most pressing economic development issue for the city and why? 
What is the most pressing economic development issue for the city and why? 90 seconds, Aaron. Thank you. Well, while there's been a lot of talk in the Roundhouse subdivision, and I too would look to offer tax incentives or diff discounts should there be interest on those properties, I think more pressing is that when dealing with tough economic times like COVID or even prior, economic development talks about BREE, business retention, incentives, and expansion. Creating programs and opportunities so businesses that are already here can grow and expand. And when thinking about this, I think about our agribusiness and food processing sector. This is an industry looking to expand and grow, and we have the land and infrastructure available. These types of businesses employ many people and pay large property tax bills. Also, we need to continue to look for other businesses that could fit well and share the infrastructure with those current companies. Finally, regarding COVID and these tough times, I've been in to talk to our finance department a number of times and I'm looking forward to bringing a downtown small business relief and vacancy solution to council in the upcoming months. Thank you. Thank you, Aaron. Mitch Hipsley, what is the most pressing economic development issue for the city and why? Mitch. Well, thank you. It's clear to me that COVID is here and how it realistically will affect our bank account, which will affect our taxes and our spending. Please, let's not fool ourselves. I believe a year from now, we will have a better understanding of where we are for progress and growth. But timing is everything and patience is needed. Money and management. Let's start factoring a rainy day account, which could be used for the unexpected. Let's not forget that the hospital is going to be a huge issue of approximately a $20 million spend of our city's obligations. This has been brought to our attention lately from government. We all know how important that is in keeping a community viable. Hospitals are not an option. The roundhouse uh, development, or pardon me, the um, property is something that we need to really formally address you know, in business, if you have some poor um, uh, lost for words here, poor inventory, you move it with whatever you need to do by discounting it. Thank you. Thank you, Mitch. Uh, question number two, Mitch will answer first. Again, 90 seconds. In your opinion, what are the two most pressing infrastructure needs in the city? And why? Thank in you. your opinion, what are the two most pressing infrastructure needs in the city and why? Mitch Hipsley. First off, we as council need to understand and define the difference between needs and wants and what can wait. In other words, we need to move forward with progress, with caution, not fear, as we do need progress. Number one is roads. Roads will always be a high priority, and with it comes with what lies beneath it, approximately a $56 million repair. I know our city cannot afford it, and I feel that we will continue to chop and repair as needs come up and make the best out of a bad situation. The second is parks and recreation. A second ice surface build or a fix to the Kinsman Arena for now 
it's okay to repair it for a nominal cost to buy some time to consider our finances and the unknown. The Glorious Centre is an absolute gem and draws a tremendous amount of visitors and money to our city. I feel we need to continue polishing our gem of ours with concerts, events, conventions, tournaments, etc. It's a business unto itself, but I'm in favor of doing something for a second ice surface, not a third. Thank you, Mitch. In your opinion, what are the two most pressing infrastructure needs in the city and why? Aaron Keenley. Thank you. We have to continue the work on streets, roads, and our underground. I'm very proud that in the past four years we've invested along with other levels of government nearly $25 million into streets, drainage, roads, and flood mitigation. One thing is water main replacements and their increase over the past four years. We had 27 service breaks in 2016 when we were first elected, 65 this year. The cost was $314,000 we spent on replacements, and this past year, $750,000. These are things we're going to have to take care of. Secondly, we can't not talk about York Road, and we need partnership with the provincial government. In the past two years, while attending SUMA, now Saskatchewan Municipal municipalities of Saskatchewan. I spoke at the highway minister session both times addressing both previous minister and our current minister, the recently re-elected minister Greg Otbright. We need help and to see York Road high on a priority list and I advocated for that. We need to continue our relationship with not only our MLA but with our provincial government as it's extremely important. Thank you. Thank you Aaron. Question three, Aaron will answer first. Property assessment values change every four years. The next change will occur in 2021. Since council sets the tax rates for different classes of properties, if commercial values decrease more than residential values across the city, would you be in favor of transferring some of the tax burden off commercial properties and onto residential properties? Want me to read that again, Aaron? No, that's fine. You're good? Thank you, Aaron. All right, Aaron Keeley. So, uh, first of all, both Mitch and I, as well as I think most of, of council, are in favor of slow and small movement from commercial to residential. And we've done that during tax policy discussions over the past four years. I would like to look at creating a subclass, and have again talked to uh, administration about this, but creating a subclass for small local businesses where we could separate those property owners from the large box stores. And while we're talking about taxes, I think it has to once again be brought up as it hasn't been enough <laughs> on the subject of taxes, 0% increases. It's been a focus of this campaign and we need to be cautious about this as the last time there were 0% tax increases in the late 90s and early 2000s, after four years of mixed in 0% tax increases, we saw three years that totaled 33% tax increase. What we need right now is tax stability coupled with fiscal responsibility. While listening to candidates talk about 0%, I have yet to hear a plan. If council is in support and works towards a 0% increase for one year to deal with COVID, I have a plan. And it's been out there. It's the Safe Restart Canada plan. It was put together by the federal government, money sent down to the province, and then allocated to municipalities on a per capita basis. So the funds are there if we were to do this for a year to give relief because of COVID. Thank you. 
Mitch, property assessment values change every four years. Next change will occur in 2021 since council sets the tax rates for different classes of properties. If commercial values decrease more than residential values across the city, would you be in favor of transferring some of the tax burden off the commercial properties and onto residential properties? Mitch Hipsley. Thank you. Commercial taxes are presently paying 55% of the total pie. Residential is paying 45%. Yorkton is in the higher percentage ratio of commercial to residential than most cities. As council, we've been moving slowly in that direction and moving perhaps to a 50-50 split. And we will continue to do that. It will be very gradual and a lot of discussion taking place on all matters into account. Council has the option of creating different class subclasses which can become a little more applicable to business specifically. Taxation is always a very fragile issue and much education and communication is required to, re to make fair decisions, although seldom it's ever the right one. We must remember that the average home of $200,000 has gone up 20% in four years. Businesses, including myself, have more than doubled. Now, I'm an exception perhaps. However, most businesses have gone up exceptionally high. We cannot continue to do this. We have to take a good hard look at putting everything on pause and seeing where we can be a year from now and getting realistic. Thank you. Thank you very much. The two candidates for Mayor of Yorkton, Mitch Hitsley and Aaron Keenley. Now to my uh, left, broadcast left, um, we have our first group of councillors. Now the 15 are divided into five groups of three. Our first group, C.V. Sastry, Doug Forster, and Calvin Tikarchuk. Order of draw for opening remarks, 90 seconds. First candidate, C.V. Sastry. C.V. Thank you. Good evening, and those, for those at home, thank you for joining us. I'm proud to be part of uh, the long history of immigrants who have settled in Yorkton, worked hard over here, and called it home. I've traveled quite a bit, and I've been in uh, major cities like Dubai, Bombay, and beautiful cities like Lake Louise, and I want to bring some of the amenities that I've seen in those cities back to our city, and also the forward-thinking visions for our city as well. I see our challenges, but also see our opportunities. If you are happy with what you have seen in our city for the past four years, I would say please vote accordingly. But I see more potential for our city. I think that the almost 15% raise in my property tax could have been better managed. In my campaign, I have met with farmers, businessmen, young families, retirees and even fellow candidates. I have heard about the concern and vision for our city. I myself am fiscally responsible. I run a business in our city for the past six years profitably while being ranked number one in my business, COVID or no COVID. Um, I like being number one so much that I've been picked in number one ranking here in uh, candidates seat as well. Um, I'm forward thinking. I bring new ideas and perspective to get our city of a status quo. And I I'm very bold and I can say with confidence that um, on a serious note, I can bring more value and vision in this community that has given me a lot and I'm ready to give back. I'm running for council because I believe in bringing in change that I talk about rather than complaining about it. My name is C.V. Shastri and I want to be a voice on council and appreciate all your support in helping me. Thank you, C.V. Thank you very much.
90 seconds for the opening. Next is Doug Forster. Doug? Good evening. 26 years ago, I was offered a job that required me to relocate to Yorkton. My decision to move here was easy. My affection for Yorkton started long ago as my family often traveled to Yorkton on Thursday nights or Saturdays to shop. So my love for this city began at a very early age and it continues to be strong today. Met my lovely wife here, along with her wonderful kids. We're raising our teenager here. We're both, three of us, actually employed here. We're all fortunate to call Yorkton our home. I am self-employed and understand the struggles when times are tough. I have lived paycheck to paycheck, and I've learned the life skills that will help distinguish between wants and needs. In these uncertain times, I believe City Council needs to be fully engaged with the people and sincerely, sincerely listen to their concerns to help guide our decision making. We need to draw upon the wisdom of our seniors, reach out to our service groups and our nonprofit charities, and genuinely consider all the concerns that they may have as we all move forward together. Let's not wait for the people to come to us. Let's go to the people. It's their voice that will guide us. They are the ones that will put us into office. Past elections have seen great changes in members of City Council. The people were dissatisfied. Their voices were heard loud and clear with sweeping changes. Yorkton, we can't afford to go back with our choices. We can't change the past, but together we can change the future. We can't borrow our way out of debt or tax our city into prosperity. I will bring a new, fresh, common-sense voice and dedication to the city of Yorkton. I respectfully ask for your vote on November 9th, Doug Forster. Thank you. Thank you very much, Doug. Um, finally, with our first group of three opening remarks, Calvin Tikarchuk. Calvin? Where's the camera? As I've always said since the day I started this, no papers, no anything from right here. My name is Calvin Tikarchuk. I'm born and raised here. My mother's family came here in the mid-40s. My dad started a business here in 1985. I've been running that business for 10 years now. I know what it takes to run a business. I know what it takes to go for on both sides of the coin. How to manage money properly, how to manage people properly. The most important thing for me right now, and the, mo and the thing that I'm most concerned about, is the identity we have lost in this city. When I grew up here, kids played street hockey. People went out, you knew everybody, you could have a conversation with anyone, anytime. Decision making in the city has gone away. We are broken right now. My biggest concern is making sure our management in the city is not who's making our decisions for us, but it's you. It's the taxpayer, the people that work their tails off each and every day to make sure they provide for their family, have a home to sleep in. And the people that are making six-figure salaries, when it's an extra hundred bucks a month out of their pocket, doesn't matter. But it matters to you. It matters to me. I want to be your voice and your heart to make your Yorkin stronger. Thank you. Thank you, Calvin. Uh, there are three questions now. Uh, for the first question, order of answer will be Calvin, followed by Doug, and then C.V. What is your vision for economic development in the city and why? What is your vision for economic development in the city and why? Calvin Tikarchuk. Thanks, Randy. Currently in the COVID universe that we live in, uh, economic development is a little bit difficult because part of who Yorkton is and what we love about Yorkton is all the events that we're able to have in the city that brings people in. Yorkton as a whole, is not a self-sustaining community. We do not have the high-paying 
manual labor jobs that other centers have. So what we have to do is bring people to our home, show them what we offer, show them the great businesses we have, and show them how much love there is in this city. You want to bring economics here? We need a city management that is work, worth or city management that is willing to work with new businesses that want to come here. We've seen the people that have moved out of the city because they weren't willing to work with them. We need to make sure when we make financial decisions that we are not wasting money on shiny new toys and we take care of the basics, the foundations. You want to increase the economy in Yorkton? Start making better financial decisions. Start taking care of the people that actually pay taxes here. Start taking care of our citizens properly. The economy will go along with that. Thank you, Calvin. Uh, Doug Forster, what is your vision for economic development in the city and why? Doug? Well, I think first and foremost, one of the most important things we have to look at is empty space that we have in our community. We've got empty commercial lots that were developed well over 10 years ago, millions of dollars put into those lots. And today they continue to sit empty, street lights burning on them every night. We need to entice people to come to those lots. We need to look at a way to get rid of those lots to move them on. Maybe it's a commercial developer that we can sell them to at a discounted price. We are not going to get back what we paid for them. The most important thing is to get some tax dollars on that property, as well as our, our businesses downtown, our empty, empty storefronts downtown. We need to create a plan to get people into those stores. We need to make it affordable for people to set up those small businesses that become the heart of our city. We have a tremendous downtown core right now in Yorkton. If you haven't done so, check it out. There are some fantastic businesses down there. We need to help them by adding more because when we add more, the people will come. If you build it, they will come. And they are going to come here. They're going to spend their money. And that's what it's all about. How do we make this economy rather stronger? We simply need to fill up those spaces. Thank you. Thank you, Doug. CV, what is your vision for economic development in the city and why? Um, in our city, I think um, there are a ton of potential that I see in our city. We can see tremendous potential growth in value-added agricultural products. We are in a farmer-centered region, and I think if we develop more companies which will focus on those products, it will bring more economic development to our city. We need to be more business friendly and business ready in our city as well. I constantly hear from business people that uh, there have been challenges that have been po posted towards them and I want to make sure that our city creates more policies which make it easier to do business here and it will bring more companies to come into the city as well. I also think the commercial lot sales that we have been talking about does happen and we can attract different companies to come to our city so that we can bring more uh, employment going into the city as well. And uh, finally, I think we should be looking forward as well and uh, do some infrastructure uh, construction projects going, which might bring more economic development to our city as well. Thank you. Thank you. Second question order of answer will be Doug Forster, Calvin Tkarchuk, and then C.V. Shastri. Once we get through COVID, what is the biggest challenge facing Yorkton and why? Once we get through COVID, what's the biggest challenge facing Yorkton and why? Doug Forster. I think I'll tie this with the, with the previous question is we need to keep our economy flowing. We need job creation. Uh, we need jobs that pay the, pay the bills for the city. We need good paying jobs and our people need those as well. We take that money, put it back into the economy and I've heard it said it's 
when it's a, a person earning a wage in Yorkton or anywhere, it turns the money seven times in our community every time they get a paycheck. That is something I think we're going to really have to work on very hard, filling those empty lots, filling those empty buildings, and enticing industry to Yorkton. We have to. We're, we're at that crucial stage where we need the jobs, we need the, we need the money, and let's face it, when the money hits the community, everybody is going to benefit. So I believe that the number one thing going forward is, is economic development. That certainly has to be our focus. Thank you. Once we get through COVID, what's the biggest challenge facing Yorkton and why? Calvin Tukarchuk. Thanks, Randy. Honestly, I don't know if there is a get through COVID. It's not a switch that's going to turn off. COVID isn't going anywhere anytime soon. I hate to break this to everybody. This is a struggle that we are going to continue to live with for years and years and years. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but what we have to do is not prepare for the worst, but flourish through what we're doing with and fight through it. And together as groups, we will work together to not only exceed, but succeed through COVID. Uh, that's why, honestly, Randy, the question to me is kind of uh, uh, an unknown because I don't think there is, an, there is an end to it. What we have to do is support ourselves, our community, the surrounding area, because that's what Yorkton's been for as long as I've been here is we depend on all of each other. If we work together, we'll find a way to make it work. One of the strongest parts about Yorkton is its heart. When one goes down, we all surround them, we take care of each other. We'll have success, we just have to do it together. Thank you, Calvin. Once we get through COVID, what's the biggest challenge facing Yorkton and why, C.V. Sastry? Well, the biggest thing that both candidates have already addressed is with COVID, we don't know when it ends. We just know that it's here. We are facing with it. It's real. Um, what I will say is we have to be much more positive in how we deal with it. Um, we need to keep our employment going. We need to make sure that we take care of our elders, that the hospital is not overburdened. Um, and then we make sure that employment is available in our economy to keep everybody going forward. COVID is is challenging for everybody, um, but at the same time, if we all put our heads together, understand what needs to be done to take care of the challenges that are posed because of COVID, I think we can do a much better job in creating employment even during this time, and that will help us um, um, mitigate some of the challenges that COVID will throw towards us. Our biggest challenge is not to be scared of COVID, but to understand that it's here, and then deal with it head on. Thank you. Thank you, CV. Third and final question for this group order of answer will be C.V. Sastre, Doug Forster, and then Calvin Tukarchuk. Within the confines of the Canadian Free Trade Agreement and the New West Partnership Trade Agreement, how do you propose more local businesses be contracted by the city? Well, I'm glad that you guys answered this, not me. Within the confines of the Canadian Free Trade Agreement and the New West Partnership Trade Agreement, how do you propose more local businesses be contracted by the city? C.V. Sastry. Thank you. Um, so the Canadian Free Trade Agreement and the New West Partnership Trade, um, they talk about uh, being very much... Um, open for business across the country and everybody has to be very fair in the tenders that they give. Um, unfortunately, under Article 500 of that, it does say that we have to be, we cannot do any preferences for local goods, services or supplies. But what I will tell is I work for the city and people who work for the city, I'm responsible for them and I'm answerable to them as well. Um, 
I cannot say at this platform, you know what, let's do this, because as soon as I do that, I think that will be a breach of contract uh, right away. But I can definitely say there are services that we can provide which others cannot provide um, while being in the city, which I can say that the locals are much better equipped to deliver, and that will be their, um, um, their chance of getting tenders that we will provide from the city itself. Apart from that, I think um, locals need to use the services of other local businesses as well to be better equipped, to be much more challenging for the tenders which are being filled by outsiders in the city itself. So I think if we support each other, I definitely think we can be um, increasing more local businesses to be contracted by the city. Thank you. Within the confines of the Canadian Free Trade Agreement and the New West Partnership Trade Agreement, how do you propose more local businesses be contracted by the city? Doug Forster. Well, this is an interesting question, and not knowing a lot about the Canadian Free Trade Agreement or the New West Partnership Trade Agreement, uh, we had these questions posed to us prior to tonight's forum and had the opportunity to take the, into the websites of, of both of these and, and just read what these are all about. So they're created to offer the opportunity for, for tradespeople and goods to travel freely within the, the, uh, the western provinces. Now that does bind us contractually uh, to things like tenders, when tenders are placed in, in, uh, on the board, let's just say it that way, and someone from BC tenders on that and it comes up as the lowest tender, well I guess we're forced into taking that tender, we cannot turn our backs on that as part of this agreement. However, that being said, I'd be interested in finding out a little bit more about this, simply we have local trades contractors coming to our city doing our builds uh, obviously they need trades and i certainly think that encouraging the hiring of our local trades if possible would certainly be a great way to to look at that we have got every trade you can imagine in this city and we certainly need to take advantage of having them uh, utilized as much as we possibly can uh, like any other agreement i'm sure there's some loopholes and i would hope that the city has already figured out what those loopholes are so we can offer you know, these types of things to our own people rather than take them out of the city because it's disheartening to think that our local people can't work but we're going to bring someone for somewhere else. But sometimes that's just what happens with these agreements. Within the confines of the Canadian Free Trade Agreement and the New West Partnership Trade Agreement, how do you propose more local businesses be contracted by the city? Calvin DeKarchuk. Thanks, Randy. As a uh, construction company owner, as a drywall company owner, uh, part of my job is placing bids on jobs against 10, 20, 30 other drywall companies to try and get that job. The truth is, I have been talking about responsible spending, spending our money wisely. The truth is, I want to have as many local businesses as possible work in our city. But we have to do what's best for the taxpayer as well. Part of these agreements is to make sure it's fair to everybody that wants to supply a service. So what we do is we take the best offer, not necessarily the lowest offer, but the best offer. And that's the way those are decided. Open for business, of course. We want to be able to grow as fast as possible. We want to make sure that our, our contracts are met on time. Something that maybe doesn't happen always. That we set limitations for, con perfect example, the, the concrete roads that we had. Sat empty, hot days all the time. Why? We didn't have a time frame. No penalties for being late. That's all part of this trade agreement. We give everyone a chance, and hopefully our citizens are the ones that have an opportunity. That's all we can offer is opportunity. We want to make sure we're fair with everybody. Thank you. 
That's our uh, first three candidates, Calvin Tekarchuk, C.V. Sastry, and Doug Forster. Thank you, guys. Our next group, Dustin Breers, Jordan Rosluck, and Cam Mailing. Order of opening remarks will be Cam Mailing, followed by Jordan Rosluck, and then Dustin Breers. 90 seconds, opening remarks, Cam Mailing. As mentioned, I am Cam Mailing, and I was born and raised in Yorkton. I spent most of my life here. I did escape for two years off to beautiful British Columbia, but I miss our community and the people in it, so I moved back. I've got lots of family here, lots of friends here, and it truly feels like home to me. I've been passionate about business my whole life. I've managed businesses for over 20 years. I've started five companies and successfully exited almost all of them. I've helped other companies thrive, and I've helped them survive through a consulting capacity. In 2016, I took my master's degree in business out of a passion that I have for business and learning more, and this experience gave me the extra tools that I need to make sound business decisions. I spent six years on the Chamber of Commerce. I've attended almost every city council meeting over the last two years and consider myself very well informed in the issues that face our city. I am pro-jobs. I'm pro-economic development, and I'm pro-fiscal responsibility. Our world has changed. This change represents opportunity. We do not hit the brakes now and kill our opportunity. We have to invest wisely and grow and stimulate our economy. Let's work together and see Yorkton thrive again. Thank you. Thank you, Cam. Next, with opening remarks, Jordan Rosluck. Jordan? Hello, I'm Jordan Rosluck. I'm 31 years old, and Yorkton has been my home for the last 24 years. I have a diploma in criminal justice policing, and I've worked at uh, full-time for the past eight years as a security officer at the Yorkton Regional Health Center. In 2016, I ran for city council. After the election, people encouraged me not to give up and to run again. They had been impressed by my platform and my commitment of attending every single city council meeting in the year leading up to the election. They also encouraged me to get more life experience. I followed their advice and I have since become a first-time home buyer, traveled half of Europe and met my wife in Lviv, Ukraine. Natalia, my wife, and I are looking forward to raising our future children in Yorkton and contributing to our community of where good things happen. The commitments I made four years ago remain the same today. A safe community, a healthy business environment, and a fiscally responsible council. In short, I support a cooperation between government, businesses, charities, and churches to share the responsibility of building a healthy and prosperous society. Resisting another COVID-19 shutdown of our city and recognizing that places of worship and community groups are essential to the well-being of our residents. No property tax increases in 2021 and freezing all future non-essential building projects until 2022. I'm Jordan Rosluck, and I'm asking for your vote to represent your voice on City Council. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Can you even see the signs here? You, yeah. No. Well, you, you're going to be perfectly timed out every time, all right? Oh, yeah. Hey? Yep. All right, that's confidence. Just cut me off if I'm over. I will. Okay, thank you. But here, I'll move that back so maybe you can have, and then you can see when the sign goes up, just so... You can see that. Gee, I moved that without it collapsing. That's kind of a first for me. Opening remarks, Dustin Breers. Good evening. My name is Dustin Breers, and it's nice to meet you. 
I attended high school in Yorkton and moved to the city in 2010, where my wife and I are raising our two young girls, Harley and Annalyn. I'm a partner in a Yorkton-based business that employs approximately 80 people from the area. We strive to provide stable, good-paying jobs that in turn support our local Yorkton economy. I'm a private pilot, Canadian registered safety professional, trained as a primary care paramedic, search and rescue team leader, and best of all, a husband and a dad. I'm an avid volunteer. I sit as past chair of the Economic Development Committee, past member of the Planning and Infrastructure Commission, and vice chair of the Development Appeals Board for the City of Yorkton. I sat on the board of the Yorkton Chamber of Commerce, and I'm currently acting president of Search and Rescue for the province of Saskatchewan. COVID-19 has created unique challenges in our world. Moving forward will take skill. We must focus on the safety of our citizens, including recognizing our emergency services that are not only dealing with COVID, but other emergencies on a daily basis. My plan, if elected, ensure the safety of our community, create a good environment for jobs and business growth, including working towards filling the commercial roundhouse subdivision, strategize so local business gets used for major city projects, and stabilize taxes. I believe I can bring new experience, business sense, and a different perspective to this great city. On election day, please vote Dustin Breers. Thank you, Dustin. We'll get to the first question for these three order of answer will be Dustin Breers, followed by Cam Mailing, and then Jordan Rosluck. How can the city ensure greater safety of its citizens and businesses? Explain, please. How can the city ensure greater safety of its citizens and businesses? Please explain. Dustin Breers, you're up first. Thank you. So my, my opinion on this is with COVID, it's ever-changing uh, daily. And we see outbreaks in the province of Saskatchewan and different communities are taking different stances with wearing masks, uh, reducing group sizes, and there's things that the city can do as a municipality that may exceed uh, what the province is doing. Beyond COVID, we need to fund our first responders properly so that we have, uh, you know, decreased crime rates, our, our firefighters and our healthcare workers in the city for for what we can do for them. I think it's important we have a strong committee to identify target areas for safety in the city and where we need to focus our efforts. And as far as I'm concerned, everyone at this point, with the circumstances given to us, is doing a fantastic job. So nothing but pats on the back for everyone during this pandemic. Thank you. How can the city ensure greater safety of its citizens and businesses? Please explain, Cam Mailing. Thank you, Randy. I think the city can play a few different roles in ensuring safety in our community. Number one, trust the experts that we have. Whether it's about COVID or building roundabouts or whatever we're doing, we need to trust the experts. Council is not experts in these areas and we do have access to many experts to help us. We need to continue to invest and support our emergency services. There are some needs and there is going to be some investments needed from the city to help continue safety within our community. The last part is driving our economy. Prosperity aids promoting safety. A, a more, more stable environment economically will create a more safe uh, community for us. Thank you very much. Thank you, Cam. Uh, again, how can the city ensure greater safety of its citizens and businesses? Please explain. Jordan Rosslin. Simply put, the city should resist another lockdown of our economy, which will protect already financially strained businesses from further hardships. In my opinion, a lockdown of the economy is a huge self-inflicted wound, which we will experience the effects of for years. 
maybe even for an entire generation, as federal and provincial debt levels explode. To keep citizens safe, I propose hiring more police officers in Yorkton to help reduce current and trending crime levels. I want to help Yorkton to become an even more safe place for both businesses and our citizens. Thank you. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, question number two, order of answer. Jordan Rosslick first, followed by Dustin Breers and then Cam Mailing. What is your vision for a healthy business environment? What's your vision for a healthy business environment? Jordan Rosslick. My vision of economic, uh, economic development in Yorkton would be for the city of Yorkton partnering with our business owners and uh, coming up with solutions on... on uh, problems that the businesses have because it's the business people who are running the business and I believe that the city should partner with these businesses. Uh, my vision would be that we have a healthy uh, small business economy in Yorkton that way the businesses could employ more people here in Yorkton so I want to see city council work with the small business owners of Yorkton and try to help them in any way that we can because they're the ones that provide the economic bloodline to Yorkton, so we need to help those who who uh, help Yorkton flow. So I believe that if we can do that, we can have a healthy relationship with the business community and city council, and that'll lead to a prosperous Yorkton. Thank you. What is your vision for a healthy business environment, Dustin Breers? My vision for a healthy business environment in a perfect world is no empty lots. No empty buildings and our money, our bank account overflowing with money in a perfect world. In a reasonable world, the one that we live in, I see my vision is, is job growth in the city, increasing the number of businesses in the city that will provide more jobs to the people in this, in this community. Um, how are we going to measure that? Increase in building permits, increase in new housing starts, which means people are spending money on, on settling down in the city of Yorkton. Increase in business licenses, increase in chamber members. This is all indicators of a, a healthy business community in Yorkton. I want to see more cars coming into the city than leaving the city. How do we do it? We work with businesses. We listen to them. Find out what their needs are. Remove the red tape. Make sure that they're supported through everything that they're planning to do to expand their business in this community. I think we should form some focus groups. Uh, strategic in different industries in the, in the city of Yorkton and find out from those focus groups what exactly they do need to be successful. Because if they're successful, people see that and they're going to want to set up right beside them in the city of Yorkton. So my vision for a healthy business environment is, uh, is working towards a, a bank account overflowing with money, but in order to get there, we simply have to listen. What is your vision for a healthy business environment? Cam Mailing. Thank you. This is one of the top issues for me, and it's an area that I've studied extensively through my master's in business program. Many years ago, Melville and Yorkton were about the same size, and Melville turned away business while Yorkton took it. And look at us now. There's quite a difference. We simply need to attract more business. We need to encourage entrepreneurship. We w I would like to see the city support entrepreneurship programs and pro provide some resources for entrepreneurs to start in our community. We need to develop programs for local businesses to expand. We need programs for businesses to move to Yorkton and not to Tisdale or not to Melville. These programs will take funding and marketing and should be based on job creation. The more jobs you create in our community, the more of a discount or the more funding you'll get. We need to empower our economic development committee to help make some of these changes. 
We need a culture change and we need a mindset change. We can do this. We just all need to work together and we need to be proactively trying to expand our economy. Thank you. Final question for this group. Order of answer I'll give you first. Cam Mailing will answer first, followed by Jordan Roslick, then Dustin Breers. What is your definition of fiscal responsibility? What's your definition of fiscal responsibility? Cam Mailing. Fiscal responsibility implies a government pursues the appropriate level of government spending and tax to maintain sustainable public finances, ensure uh, fiscal policy aids the optimal rate of economic growth, maintain appropriate levels of public investment. Fiscal responsibility is essential to creating a better, stronger, more prosperous Yorkton, not only for us, but for the next generation. The choices we make today or fail to make today will determine the kind of future our children and grandchildren inherit 20 to 40 years from now. Fiscal responsibility does not mean not spending money like some people are implying. It doesn't mean being tight with money. It doesn't even mean not raising taxes. It means being smart. It means making sure that there's that there is uh, an opportunity or um, some growth happening for our community when we spend money. We just need to be smart and we can do this. Thank you. What is your definition of fiscal responsibility? Jordan Rosler. My definition of fiscal responsibility is basically living within or below your means. So for a private individual, it means buying a house you can afford or driving a car you can afford. Or when shopping, buying generic brands instead of brand name foods. Fiscal responsibility to me means even though you could afford the more expensive item, you go with the cheaper one. Fiscal responsibility to me is money management and self-restraint. On a government level, fiscal responsibility means managing government finances so you don't have a budget deficit. Also, it means not spending money on things that aren't needed or that won't improve the lives of the citizens. It also means to me that government should be good stewards of the present. That way people don't inherit a huge debt or a huge infrastructure deficit in the future. So basically put, fiscal responsibility means managing money well and carefully, doing the best thing and living within our means by not taking on unnecessary debt. What is your definition of fiscal responsibility? Dustin Breers. Money in, money out. That's the game we're in uh, as a municipality. We only can generate so much revenue, which means we can only spend so much money. If we're spending more than we bring in, we are not being fiscally responsible. If we're spending more than we bring in, we must find efficiencies. Efficiencies doesn't necessarily translate into cuts. It simply means that we spend wisely and we uh, manage projects responsibly so that there aren't cost overruns and things like that that are going to tie up a budget in a real hurry. I don't want to simply rely on tax increases year over year uh, without bringing the best bang for our buck to our taxpayers. Zero percent tax is, is almost unachievable because unfortunately um, there's only two things guaranteed in life and that's death and taxes. But we can be very responsible with the way we manage taxes and we manage our spending. 
What I would like to do is uh, set a multi-year plan for taxes, publish it out five years to the residents of the City of Yorkton so they can see where our forecasting is and where they can somewhat expect that their tax levels are going to be. And they can plan their family life around that as well. So fiscal responsibility, we bring in X amount of dollars, we spend X amount of dollars, and we don't get ourselves dug into a very deep hole. Dustin Breers, Jordan Rosluck, and Cam Mailing, our second group of three. Thank you, guys. We'll now move over to group uh, number three. By the way, the uh, questions given to the uh, councillors, they received 16 of them, but they're only finding out what three they're answering as I read them. So as we go to group number three, opening remarks. Loretta Ritchie McKinnis, followed by Terry Schneider and Scott Sharp. You each have 90 seconds. Loretta Ritchie McKinnis. Loretta? Thank you and good evening. Thank you to the Yorkton Chamber for organizing this forum. Having lived in Yorkton for nearly 30 years, this is my home. I believe that municipal politics is the most personal level of government because the decisions made by city council have an impact on all property owners and residents' everyday life. During the campaign, I have stated that services provided by municipalities are not always visible or flashy, but they are fundamental systems that people and businesses depend on every day. Your water, your sewer, your garbage services, how we move through this city, and the safety of all citizens. I commit to ensuring that the city's resources are used as efficiently as possible to provide the priorities. There's a good vibe in Yorkton. After all, Yorkton is a place where good things happen. There's a lot of potential for people and businesses to be successful here in Yorkton. I put my name forward as a candidate for City Council because I want to be a part of the overall strategy that supports Yorkton to become a strong community now and in the years to come. I believe that my solid skill set will allow me to be a strong, fair voice for Yorkton citizens and businesses. And I commit to serving with integrity and working toward a safe and prosperous community if elected. As I close, I remind everyone that we will be observing Remembrance Day in two weeks from today. I urge everyone to engage a veteran or the servicemen and women currently serving our community and thank them for their service. To the other candidates here in Yorkton, I, my sincerest best wishes to you all. I look forward to responding to some of the questions here this evening and thank you thank for the you. opportunity. Thank you, Loretta. Uh, opening remarks, Terry Schneider. Terry? Hi, I'll start off by just directing people to terryschneider.ca to follow up on these remarks. So if you're for managing municipal issues like having the city be a catalyst for driving economic growth, increasing property tax base and increasing the population of Yorkton, uh, we want to do that by reducing the prices of lots in York Colony, which are priced currently at $67,000 to $120,000, Riverside Terrace at $135,000 average. The roundhouse commercial properties at over a million dollars a piece is just not on. We need to reduce those property prices. The second item would be to have improved uh, pedestrian safe access to commercial properties. If you cross the street at Tim Hortons downtown on uh, Drake Up and try and go across to the Great Canadian Oil Change, you run into a, a sidewalk that's not there. You run into boulders that are six inches big, and if you're disabled or senior, you're not able to get to other businesses on that street. It's just uh, not, not appropriate. The same falls for uh, going across the street from uh, the RCMP Centre to the Canadian Tire. You go to a ditch. There's no sidewalk. Thirdly, if you want to have uh, properly managed uh, school zones and playground zones, 
you need to have proper signage where we have beginning and ending signs. And finally, we need to go for energy efficiency projects where we can uh, better solve our cost situations at uh, arenas, water plants, sewer plants, and those are able to be ha happening. Thank you, Terry. Opening remarks, Scott Sharp. Scott. First of all, I'd like to say thank you to the Chamber for hosting this. 90 seconds isn't a lot of time, so I'll get started. I, I encourage everybody to definitely vote, and I encourage you to look at the candidates. I don't believe Council's job is to tell the City of Yorkton where we need to go. Our job is to listen. So look for character in people, not talking points. There's money being spent on this campaign that isn't staying in Yorkton. It's going out of Yorkton. If we're going to say we want to grow the Yorkton economy, the money has to stay local. If it changes hands seven times, if you spend $300 out of the Yorkton, that money is, is hurting our economy. It's not growing our businesses, it's growing somebody else's businesses. So I encourage you to look for character. I've spent years in both the human services and as a Red Seal journeyman electrician, currently working for the Saskatchewan Health Authority. The hospital is in essence its own city. We have infrastructure, we have different departments, and we all run our parts. I do not understand running infrastructure the, the size of a city, but I understand what infrastructure takes, what maintenance takes. My biggest goal is to remember the people. A city is a group that came together to, to when, when agriculture came around, that encouraged trade, right? Sit, the people have to be put first to encourage growth. I think one of the best things we can do to encourage growth is to make sure we have a physically and mentally healthy, first of all, work labor force, as well as the people that are supporting your businesses. Thank you very much. Thank you, Scott. Order of answer for the first question will be Scott Sharp, followed by Terry Schneider, and then Loretta Ritchie McInnes. Sometimes decisions made by council are not popular with residents and or business owners. How would you handle that discontent? Sometimes decisions made by council are not popular with residents and or business owners. How will you handle that discontent? Scott Sharp. You know, a little blast of the past, one of the ways I first met Quinn Hader was actually working at the bingo hall. He trained me. So I'm going to tell you, if you want to learn to deal with discontent, have somebody upset about you and they didn't hear you call bingo. You know, you learn a little thing or two that way. The truth is, I think that most of the times people are upset about decision. It's not necessarily the decision, it's communication that has happened. There's been a breakdown in the communication. Most people in Yorkton are very logical and understand the needs of the community over top of their own. So I think when there has been a decision, they don't go their way. To, to actually understand what is bothering them about and try to inform them on why the decision was made. I'm not going to lie, before I chose to do this process four years ago, I didn't find council to be all that accessible. I didn't feel the chamber to be all that accessible, and I didn't feel a lot of services in Yorkton to be all that accessible. I think that has to be improved so the general population understands more what's happening. It feels less like backroom deals, more like support pushing them in their direction. Sometimes decisions made by council aren't popular with residents and or business owners. How would you handle that discontent, Terry Schneider? My answer will be brief on this one, just to say that when you're elected to office, you've given a certain level of trust by the, by the public, and uh, at the end of the day, if the public uh, don't appreciate the councillors that are making decisions, they have the next opportunity to, to deal with that at the next election, and uh, that's just that's the nature of the beast. Sometimes decisions made by council aren't popular with residents and or business owners. How would you handle the discontent? 
Loretta Ritchie McInnes. Thank you. Based on over 25 years of experience with the Saskatchewan legislature, I believe I have a proven track record of diffusing high conflict situations and mitigating risks. I have found that people do not always remember what you say, but they do remember how you made them feel. As a Yorkton City Councillor, I believe, as I am in all aspects of my life, I will be approachable. This means that each Yorkton citizen should feel comfortable in approaching me with their concern or their discontent. I will listen keenly and respectfully to the concern and each person's voice is important. In response, I would clearly articulate Council's position with the goal of ending the conversation with a better understanding of each of our sides of the issue and going away thinking about how might this person's discontent be satisfied. It's difficult to achieve 100% consensus in any, on any issue in a democracy. However, if calm, rational discussion of difficult topics can take place, I will have equally represented citizens and council to the very best of my ability. At the end of the day, we are all citizens of Yorkton, and by being respectful, we can achieve more. Thank you, Loretta. Question number two. Not-for-profits and charities contribute significantly to the city's economy. How could the city better communicate with these organizations for what purpose? Terry Schneider to answer first. I'll read it again. Not-for-profits and charities contribute significantly to the city's economy. How could the city better communicate with these organizations for what purpose? Order of answer will be Terry Loretta and Scott. Terry Schneider. Well, the first order of business for council after being elected would be to develop a strategic plan of where it wants to go for the next four years and make sure that that's communicated well through whatever means it has, a website, through posting uh, information on social media, get it out there through the newspapers, etc. And once we do that, we solicit project support for these fundraising for fundraising through uh, the Kinsman Clubs, the Lions Clubs, etc., uh, to get on the same page to fund uh, projects that are important that are at that high level. So let's say the, it's the arena project. Well, we need a service club maybe to get a Zamboni funding going. And uh, let's get on the same page so that we're all working in the same direction. Not-for-profits and charities contribute significantly to the city's economy. How could the city better communicate with these organizations? For what purpose? Loretta Ritchie McInnes. can do great work and I have the privilege to serve on a couple of the committees. My mantra is collaboration and the building of relationships. The cost of collaboration is often minimal compared to the investment on the return on an investment. Great dividends are, not, are often realized when time is taken to simply engage. It is important for council to be aware of the community organizations and most importantly what demographic and population they resent, represent, whether they are furry, feathered or human. The dividends realized are citizens whose needs are often better met when we provide them with the opportunity to fully participate and possibly reach an unrealized level of potential. The Salvation Army houses our city's food bank. The Soup Haven provides lunch program and the monthly meal served at the Dream Center. The, F the YFBTA and the SPCA and Yorkton's flagship umbrella organization sign all offer support and community programs important to a healthy community. The purpose of communicating with faith-based and community-based organizations is to give the groups a platform to share their services so that as city council, as leaders, when we are made aware of circumstances, we can make referrals and lend our support to groups that serve in our city. 
Thank you. Not-for-profits and charities contribute significantly to the city's economy. How could the city better communicate with these organizations for what purpose? Scott Sharp. Not-for-profits definitely do a wonderful work in the city. I, I've personally worked for Sign for several years. I've worked with uh, acquired brain injuries, mental health, youth and care and custody. Uh, so I'm passionate about Sign. I'm passionate about uh, you know nonprofit organizations. They contribute to the economy in a couple ways. One, they do bring people to our city to receive their services. They can stop in and do some shopping, lunch, those kind of things. The other way that they contribute to us, our, our economy, in my opinion, and probably the most significant, is ensuring the mental health of our, our workforce and our our base of people that are supporting our businesses. Um, if, if your employees have struggling with some mental health issues or uh, you know a relative or a son or daughter that's struggling with, with some of these things, these nonprofits are, are probably the quickest line of defense. They're underpaid and, and do work that the government can't afford to do at their rates and they do amazing work. So they're, they're massively important. We need to communicate with them because they are the voice of the people they serve. They understand their needs better than we do. And by listening to them, we can help support and, and the citizens of Yorkton. Thank you, Scott. Third question to this group order of answer will be Loretta, followed by Terry, and then Scott. What can the city do to reduce the vacant lots and commercial buildings? Please explain. Loretta Richie McInnes. Yeah. As I've been campaigning and talking with businesses owners, it is apparent that I do not have all the full details as to why these lots remain vacant and about all the costs incurred to develop the lots either. Currently empty in Yorkton, but my practical sense tells me that further development of new lots should be halted until the existing lots are utilized or sold with a commitment for development. Now, in order to realize the sale of lots, a concerted effort must be made by the city and the business community to explore what could go on to these existing lots. Again, I want to see collaboration. I will say and use that word over and over again. It's an age-old adage. Where there is a will, there is a way. I believe that long-term and short-term goals need to be established and strategies need to be implemented to support both the city's economic development and the business community. There must be a recognition that we are in a situation together and realize that there are benefits to the city and the businesses to work together and to get the lots, lots and the buildings occupied. Much can be accomplished if we're willing to make it happen. It may take some time to realize the goal, so in the interim, I would want to explore how the empty lots and buildings, buildings could be used immediately. Perhaps there are pop-up businesses with the Christmas season approaching, businesses that could set up there, or activities that could occupy spaces in the short term, while long-term solutions are developed and implemented. I will work tirelessly to see the vacant lots and commercial buildings occupied. Thank you, Loretta. Question is, what can the city do to reduce vacant lots and commercial buildings? Please explain, Terry Schneider. This goes back to my opening remarks. Again, they have to significantly reduce the price of these properties to make them attractive for outside investors to think about moving into town. They're just not on at the prices that they're listed at right now. And as far as commercial buildings that are empty, uh, having businesses come and approach uh, with a plan of some sort of graduated tax relief over a couple year plan, uh, I mean, we'd have to look at the bigger picture of, the, of the, how that would affect the uh, finances of the city, but uh, to uh, at least acknowledge and, and take a look at how that could be achieved is, uh, is, is where councillors would be uh, challenged. What can the city do to reduce vacant lots and commercial buildings? Please explain. Scott Sharp. 
I think there's a couple aspects that I think definitely reducing prices and, and looking for outside investment, but I also think at looking inside of Yorkton, uh, I think there is a little bit of a rise of small businesses and people running businesses outside of their house that has, has been happening as of recently, and I think tapping into that might be useful. We have a, a large wealth of information in, in a solid uh, you know, small business community now of people that have been doing this for years. I think uh, implementing some form of a mentorship program, maybe even having it attached to, to a younger generation that are seeming from the chambers, young young entrepreneur awards to be a, a really hot place right now. Some of the, those businesses that are being run by younger people are blowing up because they have the time, effort and drive to do it. They understand the social media and the marketing that's happening now. I think focusing on on young homegrown businesses moving into those lots is going to serve Yorkton well. I think that gives us more options and it employs more people. Working for a small company like that is one of the, the, the great rewards of a feeling like family for a small business. Small business is passionate about serving and I think we need to give them the opportunity to do that. And that is everything, thank you. Thank you. Loretta Ritchie McInnes, Terry Schneider and Scott Sharp are group number three. Thank you so much. Our next to last group, group number four, says on my uh, time frame here that we're to start at 8.48. I'm six minutes ahead of schedule. Pretty good so far, huh? I could tell a couple jokes, but no, that's not appropriate anymore. Group number four, Darcy Zaharia, Chris Wyatt, and Ken Chiz. The order of opening remarks will be Darcy, followed by Ken, and then Chris. 90 seconds opening remarks, Darcy Zaharia. Yeah, thank you, Randy. Uh, my name is Darcy Zaharia. I'm running for council again. Uh, I was blessed to uh, be here for the last four years. Um, I went to school here. I graduated from the Yorkton Regional High School, moved away, obtained my uh, Bachelor of Commerce degree, uh, majored in accounting, general business. Uh, then I went on and uh, moved back into Yorkton in 2000. I attained my uh, CPA designation, professional accounting designation. And now I work as an auditor for the provincial government uh, for the last 20 years. Um, people ask me why, uh, back in 2016 when I ran, why did I want to get into politics? And I really didn't see it as politics back then, and I still kind of don't see it as politics now. Uh, back then, I was uh, heavily involved in the community with uh, volunteering for a ton of uh, different organizations, and I still do that to, to, to today. So I've been a coach at uh, Yorkton Regional High School for over 20 years. I've been uh, one of the founders of Yorkton Minor Football. Um, I'm um, on a numerous fundraisers. Uh, I was an auxiliary RCMP for many years here in town. I was a volunteer firefighter for many years here in town. I'm on the uh, Yorkton Sports Hall of Fame board. Um, and then Economic Development Committee and uh, the Environmental Committee and a few other committees uh, throughout the city. Um, and that's it about me. Thank you, Darcy. Next with opening remarks, Ken Chiz. Thank you, Randy. Uh, good evening, everyone. I believe that most of you know me, but for those who don't, uh, my name is Ken Chiz and I'm running for York City Council. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, my parents moved to the Yorkton area when I was 10 years old and from there I ended up going to school in Yorkton and I became a graduate of the Yorkton Regional High School. Uh, I started my business career, if you will, in 1980 working for the Yorkton Enterprise as a salesperson and it was something to do until something better came along. 
Well, five years later, I was the sales manager. Five years after that, I became the publisher. And lo and behold, they sold the paper. So there I was. Uh, I went to work at a newspaper in uh, Dunville, Ontario for a while, Regina Leader Post, and beautiful Vancouver Island. Well, when you're from Saskatchewan, Vancouver Island's not that beautiful. When you can see Vancouver lights half, half an hour or uh, across the bay, that, that would take you 30 minutes to get to in Saskatchewan, and there it takes two and a half hours. Anyway, I'm currently still involved in our business community and operate a marketing and promotions company, as well as arrange various sport and casino bus tours. I've been and still active member of the community. I'm currently a director of the York and Business Improvement District, and I was the chair in 2012. I'm on Deer Park Men's Club Fundraising Committee. I'm on the board of the Legacy Corps. Time, Ken. Thank you very much. 90 seconds flies by. Opening remarks, Chris Wyatt. Good evening, everyone. Um, just a few clarifications at the start of this. Uh, zero percent tax increases aren't a sin. They're not evil. I sat on a city council in 2000. Uh, shortly after the zero percent in, er, increases, we didn't raise taxes 30 plus percent. Um, otherwise, we never would have been re-elected again. What's changed for me in four years since uh, I lost a close one to Bob? Nothing. I'm the same person. I'm the same person you supported for 16 years on city council. I will ask the tough questions. I'll ask uncomfortable questions, but they're questions that have to be asked. I will not tell people what they want to hear. I will tell people what they need to hear. My priorities in the next four years will be to get the City of Yorkton RCMP detachment built behind the tourism building and try to spur some development in that area. I will push Greg Ottenbright to get going on the hospital, to get going on York Road. We've been talking long enough. Let's get her done. Thanks. All right, order of question to answer. The first question, the order will be Chris Wyatt, followed by Ken Chiz, then Darcy Zaharia. What do you think are the most pressing expenditures for the city over the next four years? What do you think are the most pressing expenditures for the city over the next four years? Chris Wyatt. Well, I think we have to start with uh, this next council is finishing the projects that were started by the previous council. You won't hear me saying anything negative about the projects that were started. Uh, I sat in that chair for 16 years. It's a tough job. Those projects are going ahead. Our job as city council is to make sure those projects are finished on budget and on time. Um, as for me personally, what I'd like to see go forward, what I mentioned earlier, is the new RCMP detachment, York Road, and those are big ticket items. Um, but when you look at, we built a fire hall for around $7 million a few years back. Um, I don't think a city RCMP detachment would be much more than that. It's probably going to be less because the footprint's smaller. And when you say the cost of building has gone through the roof and people try to scare city councils with that, the Gallagher Centre was built for about $24 million how many years ago? The new public works building is under $24 million and it's about the same size footprint. So when people are trying to scare the city council, trying to scare people about saying the cost of construction has gone through the roof, figure it out. The Flexi Hall is basically the same size as the building that the equipment's going to go in at the public works centre and the pool and is about the same size as the offices. So. That's a, that's a load of crap. What do you think are the most pressing expenditures for the city over the next four years? Ken Chiz. Could probably answer that in one word, although I, have, I am going to expand upon it, and that one word is roads. Without a doubt, the most asked questions I received during the last few, four years had something to do with roads. And it would be easy to fix if we had an extra $150 million. Unfortunately, we don't. 
If we did, we could fix every road in Yorkton. That kind of, we don't have that kind of money, so we must take it one step at a time. Currently, all new projects, Mayhew and Darlington as an example, have maintenance costs built into the price and a part of the current payments. That money is put in reserve for future maintenance, and this means that dollars needed to maintain projects like this in future years would be in place and additional tax dollars would, for repairs would not be necessary. Going forward, I believe all of these kind of projects will have that feature, and that will enable us to be able to expand our spending on roads even further. What do you think are the most pressing expenditures for the city over the next four years, Darcy Zaharia? Uh, municipalities, uh, their main business is to deliver services. So that level of services and the number of services, um, we're delivering those to, to the residents at the most efficient cost that we can. Uh, so to look after all the infrastructure for that. So roads, water, sewer uh, would be the main ones um, because we need all those to provide those services. And those spin off and help keep, if we keep it, do it efficiently, uh, we can keep costs down to commercial businesses uh, and they can put money back into the community and, and we can just keep cycling through it. We also need to start planning. We've been talking, like everybody talks about York Road. So with our uh, local MLA uh, being the Minister of Highways, uh, if we don't get it done soon, I'm not sure when we will. So we really need, uh, we step up and uh, get after him and uh, we have to get him after the province and get the road done. And the talks of, uh, of the uh, hospital coming to Yorkton, um, it is coming, it's just a matter of when, so let's talk about it, let's communicate, let's collaborate with everybody uh, and get that plan going and start putting away for it. Next question, uh, order of answer will be Ken Chiz, followed by Chris Wyatt and then Darcy Zaharia. How might the city better market itself? Please explain. How might the city better market itself? Please explain. Ken Chiz. Thank you, Randy. Uh, to answer this question, we have to assume that COVID-19 is no longer in the picture. Uh, we should have representatives at trade shows across the country to tell a story about why Yorkton is a place where a good thing happens. We have a gem of a golf course that usually takes three to three and a half hours to play, and it seems to have a lot of open tee times. People in Regina must phone a week in advance to book a tee time and play a round of golf that takes five hours. Picture this. Have a bus pick up 40 golfers in Regina at 8 a.m., bus these people to Deer Park for 11 a.m. tee time. The final tee time would be at 12.30 for 40 golfers. After the round, approximately 4 p.m., the bus would pick up at Deer Park, return to Regina, approximately 6 p.m. This, this trip would cost, uh, would cost approximately $100 and include green freeze, bus transportation, and golf carts. I passionately believe that when you do this, you will have people wanting to come here and play our course every weekend. Another possibility might be an overnight trip that includes hotel room and two rounds of golf. And that's just golf course in area. It can be done in other recreational facilities like our water park, possibly even a, even a Yorkton shopping trip. How might the city better market itself? Please explain, Chris Wyatt. Definitely the city needs to really start going after the smaller communities around Yorkton. In the day, and I'm not trying to date myself, Yorkton was the go-to place, especially for communities from the north. The busiest road into Yorkton is from the north. Traffic counts prove that. We have to start letting them know that we have everything they have to offer, and I'm not gonna compete, compete with Regina. They got the Costco, you heard me mention that before. Uh, we'll, you know, hopefully we can get a Costco someday, 
but we want to make sure these smaller communities around us realize that Yorkton has what they need instead of going the extra kilometers, whether it's to Saskatoon or Regina, and come to Yorkton and make a day of it or make a weekend of it. Um, we have a communications manager in the city. What does he do? Shouldn't he be communicating? Shouldn't he be giving council this ammunition or giving, working with the business community with, in Yorkton to get our message out? So um, if there has to be a change in what that position does, then that definitely be something we should be looking at. The web page, I will say, is a good start. It's an excellent looking web page, uh, easy to navigate. So I think kudos for that to the city. How might the city better market itself? Please explain, Darcy Zaharia. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, our slogan is where good things happen, but we really want to uh, make it more of a destination. And to do that, we have to increase marketing efforts, I think. And, and to do that, though, the other side is we have to get revenues from somewhere. So whether that's through a tax increase or we take something from another expenditure, uh, but we need dollars for that. But I definitely think that we do need dollars to go towards it to, to increase the awareness of Yorkton. Um, the Economic Development Committee, I think, is a great cross-section of the business community. Uh, we have really good communication uh, with YBID and the Chamber, and we need increased communication with more of the business community in town and, and to get a plan and talk and, and, and let's get something going. Um, I think like any type of issue, uh, as long as we get engagement, we need engagement from everybody in the community. Uh, I think that would help us go a long way. I also think that the uh, new website, if you haven't been there, that's a start. Uh, it's similar to cities in you know Winnipeg, Calgary, Edmonton. It's fantastic, a fantastic thing that our economic development committee has put together. Uh, we've been part of that. And uh, for most of you, I don't know if you've seen the new commercial, but we have put money towards a commercial. And it was aired during the Pinties, and that was collaboration with uh, the Yorkton Curling Club. So that will be airing uh, shortly after the election, uh, and that will get put out there. So I think it's a good start. Final question for this group. The only way for cities to generate revenue is through property taxes. If revenues fall in 2020 and 2021, what will council need to do? Order of answer will be Darcy, Ken, and Chris. Only way for cities to generate revenue is through property taxes. If revenues fall in 2020 and in 2021, what will council need to do? Please explain. Darcy Zaharia. Uh, municipalities are really handcuffed with what you can do, right? It's either raise taxes or it's cut expenses or some combination of those two. Um, you could also lobby the government. So we get ta gas tax revenues and we get revenue sharing from PST. Uh, so that's something that uh, uh, committees like uh, FCM can continue to advocate for us, for, the, for local municipalities uh, to get a little bigger piece of the pie. Uh, Councillor Golden's very uh, well-versed in that. She's on that committee. Um, one of the other things that we could do is, and I know it's not a well-liked option, especially from administration, but uh, we do have reserves that we could tap into. Um, now, once again, if we take money from the reserves, just keep in mind that down the road that just help. If we're not spending money on uh, capital infrastructure, which I think is a huge thing, um, that gap just widens. So, but it is an option, uh, and I think we have to keep in plan when uh, keep in mind when we're planning. Um, anything for this city that uh, there's a lot of offloading by the provincial government and the federal government so we're getting less and less dollars at the municipality level from those other levels of government so we have to keep that in mind when we're making our plans 
The only way for cities to generate revenue is through property taxes. If revenues fall this year and in 2021, what would council need to do? Please explain. Ken Chiz. Thanks again, Randy. Uh, as in any business, when economic times are tough, uh, we must find ways to either increase revenues or reduce expenses just to remain status quo. There are ways to increase revenue without raising taxes. Our city has commercial property beside the Chamber of Commerce building that we're all aware of, and uh, it's been brought up before. Can you imagine the additional tax revenue we would have if those lots were filled with new businesses? And another thing is there's a residential development by the Department of Highways building that has fully serviced lots available. This development has been open for several years, and currently they have, they have four houses built there. A few years back, we had a thing called the Showcase of Homes, where local Yorkton home builders were encouraged to build homes in, on lots that were available. The city would give them the lots tax-free, and they would build their home, they would show the homes off, and if once the homes were purchased, then the, the builder would pay the city the price of the lot, and then the, the buyer would start paying taxes at that point. We, that way we create employment, the home builders are, are doing better, keeping their people working, and we're creating more tax dollars for our city. The only way for cities to generate revenue through property taxes if they fall, revenues in 2020 and 2021, what would council need to do? Please explain, Chris Wyatt. <clears throat> well, council will have a few choices. Um, you can raise property taxes, you can cut spending in either operating or capital, or you can raise your user fees. Now, when you start raising the taxes and raising the user fees, you're gonna start getting a little pushback, obviously, from the public. What I believe can happen is an independent study can be brought forward for the operations of the city and find savings there. Is that only a short term? Yep, it's only for the first year or two. I wanna find savings that we can find internally so that we don't have to go into the, into the well. Remember, taxation and user fees are the only way to generate revenue in a city. Grants from the provincial and federal government should not be counted as revenue because they can be gone with the stroke of a pen. <clears throat> Who's ever in power, whether it's in the federal government, and I'm not going to blame all on the liberals or the conservatives or whoever, one stroke of a pen can do away with the gas tax funding we get from the federal government and the PST revenue we share in with the provincial government. That money should be used for capital projects because it's not a guarantee. Darcy Zaharia, Chris White, and Ken Chiz. Thank you, fellas. Our final group this evening, Quinn Hader, Randy Golden, and Dick DeRike. Order of opening remarks will be Quinn, followed by Randy, and then Dick. 90 seconds for opening remarks, Quinn Hader. Well, good evening, everyone here present in this uh, building here this evening. And I want to thank the Chamber for hosting this event. And I want to thank all of the candidates, uh, especially the ones that I am running with for Council for running positive campaigns and being very supportive this entire time. Um, not a lot of mudslinging. It's been a very, very pleasant experience. Uh, my name's Quinn Hader, and I grew up in Yorkton. I fell in love in Yorkton. I got married here. And my wife and I are uh, raising our children here. I've been teaching for 28 years, and I'm currently the principal of St. Paul's School. And I believe that the best way to learn is to teach. So 
In the early 2000s, when I was teaching grade four students about civic politics, I brought in a really cool show and tell. And that really cool show and tell was Councillor Chris Wyatt. Brought him in and he answered questions for my students and the excitement that they showed based on the answers that Chris gave to them was inspiring. So Chris inspired me to enter into the political field and I uh, joined up with the Protective Services Committee to learn a little bit more, served with them for 10 years and was elected to City Council four years ago. And I wanna thank all of the residents for doing that. It has been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to serving our families for four more years. Thank you, Quinn. Opening remarks, Randy Golden. Good evening. I expect that four years from now, if we look back, I hope that we can say that Council has not only looked after the commercial and industrial interests of Yorkton, but they have looked after the people who live here and our new neighbours who came here to take up new jobs. Let me share some of the reasons I'm here tonight. I care deeply about this community and want to make a positive impact. I believe that this ought to be the candidate's number one motivator. It goes without saying we are elected to serve. I commit to do my part to improve the lives in our city. I have proven leadership experience and continue to serve on provincial and federal municipal associations representing Yorkton and our province. I am prepared to be part of a team. At the council meetings, we have five basic functions, to inform ourselves, to debate, carefully consider the information and opinions of other councillors and administration, to vote, and then to accept the decision. Councils have to make tough decisions that at times people may not understand or like. We have a responsibility to engage citizens and consider their input, absolutely, but we still need to do the right thing even if it's not popular. And I'm a long-term thinker prepared to build for the future. Even the immediate and seemingly short-term decisions we make can have lasting consequences. It's about developing good policy and delivering services. I will remain committed to serving the community. I will be a steward of the public trust for the people of Yorkton this evening, Thank you, I ask. Thank you very much, Randy. 90 seconds to open. Dick DeRyke. We're not in ordinary times. These are not easy times, and they probably won't be for several years. COVID-19 is not over by a long shot. What happened here in Yorkton in October and what's happening in the province, we have the fourth highest number of cases per capita in Canada, is proof of that. In an editorial today, Yorkton this week wondered whether COVID-19 is a, quote, great bugaboo. Really? Tell that to Jeanette and Jack Dawes, Calvin. I prefer to be realistic. We have not begun to feel the social, financial, and economic impact on all of us. And the city will have to deal with that. That will take experience. Experience matters. It matters a lot when it comes to tackling tough issues. I have 13 years experience on city council. I have owned and operated businesses in Yorkton for 45 years and I have been active in our community. I do have the experience that matters. It's time to carefully examine everything the city does and the money it spends. Back to square one, because city revenues will suffer in 2021. You can't collect taxes and fees from businesses that are no longer here. I propose reducing taxes to assist homeowners and business owners while we maintain essential services until we are back to a new normal whatever that may look like. And with one-third of the res all residences in Yorkton being rental properties... Thank you, Dick. Sorry, time has expired. 
That's opening remarks. Order of answer of questions. First question, Dick DeRyke, followed by Randy Golden, and then Quinn Hader. What is one thing for which you will most strongly advocate for the business community? What's the one thing for which you will most strongly advocate for in the business community? Dick DeRyke. Tax relief, which includes better tax policy. Our taxation increases hurt even more so now that we face the consequences of COVID-19. Council cannot control what people shop for, what services they buy, or how much money they spend. But we can control the level of taxes by controlling the level of city spending. And bringing down taxation levels and making sure the relief we provide flows through to those who pay the bills, including the renters of properties, will help. Large businesses can spend a lot of money to fight City Hall by appealing assessments. That's why the city lost an appeal on assessment a few years back and had to write a check to rebate Walmart for literally hundreds of thousands of dollars of property taxes. That's very difficult and very costly for small businesses to do, and many homeowners wouldn't know where to start. If our assessments were more fair and our tax policy more in tune with the realities of the market and economic conditions, we would all benefit. What is the one thing for which you will most strongly advocate for the business community? Randy Golden. I talk a lot about relationships and working together. We need to continue working with the Chamber, YBID, Tourism Yorkton, and all the other orders of government. That's the one thing I will advocate for. This will help retain and recruit our businesses and our industrial areas. We need to look at advanced manufacturing, agricultural and food processing, commercial retail, and our healthcare and wellness businesses. We need to build on what businesses require location and proximity to major North American markets. We need to be able to access to diverse, educated workforce. We need to have those competitive advantages. We need a municipal staff that's responsive and supportive to meet project timelines with the businesses we have. We need affordable and available real estate opportunities. And we need exceptional community amenities contributing to the high quality of life of the employees. A year ago, I was appointed chair of a Western uh, Economic Solution Task Force for FCM. After the last federal election, we saw very few sitting MPs with the government side. So I was asked to chair this group of major cities in the Western uh, provinces and, and working with their mayors. So think about what our priorities are and what we're going to do. We need to get resources to market. We need energy development. We need supporting communities to diversify and, and develop economies. And we need municipal infrastructure you, and fiscal sustainability. Thank you, very much. Um, what is the one thing for which you will most strongly advocate for with the business community, Quinn Hader. Thank you, Randy. The thing that I would do the most for um, our businesses is continue to make Yorkton a place that businesses want to be. And what I mean by that is communication and collaboration with any people who are potentially moving here, marketing our businesses through a variety of means and using the city's communication team to do that. One thing that council uh, said as an objective this past term was to improve communication. And now we have uh, Facebook posts and whatnot that are going out on a fairly regular basis. But at a recent event that we had at the chamber office, the Young Entrepreneurs Group was there. And they shared with us that they not only, or sorry, they made sure they had a Facebook present 
presents, I'm sorry, for, I quote, mums and grandmas. And the reason why I bring that up is media has changed. Marketing has changed. And while we've made great strides in this uh, past term to help out in that area, we need to continue that. As well, I want to focus on the amenities for our families. As my job as principal, I often meet new families who are considering moving to Yorkton. And what baits them here are the jobs. But what seals the deal are our recreational facilities and parks and opportunities for the entire family. Thank you. Next question, order of answer will be Randy Golden, followed by Quinn Hader and then Dick DeRike. Why is it important to the city to have active representation on SUMA and the Federation of Canadian Municipalities? Randy Golden. Uh, thank you for the question. Our responsibilities as a municipal government is utilities, garbage, recycling, transit, access, transit, leisure centers, policing, fire, city hall, uh, roads, streets, bridges, parks and playgrounds, snow management, parking, that's just naming a few. We do that with 10 cents of every tax dollar collected in this city. The other two orders of government receive the other 80 cents. Individually, that is impossible that we collectively we can do and we can have tremendous impact. FCM is Canada's voice for local governments. We have a membership of more than 2,100 municipalities, large, small, from coast to coast, representing 92% of the population of Canada. We absolutely need to consider always contributing to these municipality uh, associations like FCM. Just this last year, we doubled the gas tax that we received from the, uh, from the federal government. Instead of getting $890,000, we got $1.9 million. The municipalities of Saskatchewan is also something that we absolutely need to be a part of because in 2007, and I was part of that board, we advocated to provincial government and received revenue sharing that we get $3 million a year. And we need to continue to support these associations. Why is it important to the city to have active representation on SUMA and the Federation of Canadian Municipalities? Quinn Hader. Randy? Uh, more than ever, everybody, we are truly living in a global setting. With communication being the way it is, things that happen here in Yorkton aren't just affecting the people in Yorkton. Things that are happening all over the world are affecting us here. And we are not an island, so we need to be aware of what is happening in the province as well as in the country. By belonging to these organizations, we have a collective voice which is much more powerful than just a single whisper. Collaborating and teaming together to access collective knowledge, to problem solve, and to celebrate successes is certainly integral for the growth of our city. Thank you. Why is it important to the city to have active representation on SUMA and the Federation of Canadian Municipalities? Dick DeRike. The cost to the city of belonging to these two organizations is about $17,000 a year. In return, we have the vehicle and we have the means to lobby senior levels of government and make the needs of the municipality, ours and others, known to those we depend on for some of our funding. We are the offspring of the provincial government. The only power we have is what the province grants us under the Cities Act and other leg legislation. We need to make sure that we are attuned to their plans for municipalities and we need to make sure that they are aware of the needs of the people at the local level. 
Let me add to that that uh, I talk about this and other issues uh, on my website, www.yorkandvotes2020.ca. Check it out. Uh, all the answers to all the questions posed tonight will be on there as well. And I'll be happy to have a mutually respectful discussion with anyone about any of the issues that we talk about. Thank you, Dick. Final question for these three, group number five. If inflation proves to be greater than 0% in 2020 and in 2021 and beyond, how do you propose the city implement zero tax increases? Order of answer will be Quinn Hader, Randy Golden, and Dick DeReich. If inflation proves to be greater than 0% in 2020 and 2021 and beyond, how do you propose the city implement 0% tax increases? Quinn? Thank you, Randy. And this has certainly become the biggest election topic this year. I honestly thought most of the questions that I would get from residents would be, do I support the rink? But 0% tax increase has become the hot button topic. Um, while I have not campaigned on that promise personally, I am very curious and quite eager to hear what my colleagues do have planned long term in order to make this happen while still allowing our city to grow and addressing the infrastructure gaps that still need to be addressed. And I'll be 100% honest, if the plans make sense, I'll support them uh, for a while. But when we first got on council, one of the most startling statistics that I learned was that if we were to continue to fund our roads at the current rate they're being funded, it would take over 100 years to fix every road in the city. But asphalt does itself does not have a uh, life of 100 years. It's between 15 to 20. So making sure that we're funding our roads and infrastructure properly is something we need to focus on. As well, I don't think it's any secret that the pipes underneath Broadway are hundreds of years old and they are going to break down. And the number of uh, water breaks that we've had recently, you heard those statistics earlier this evening. So I don't want to kneecap us by, by uh, not collecting taxes uh, at a higher rate, but if we can give the residents a break for a year, I'd be willing to do that. Thank you, Quinn. If inflation proves to be greater than 0% in 2020 and 2021 and beyond, how do you propose city implement 0% tax increases? Randy Golden. As a city councilor, my biggest focus uh, has been on, on property taxes, and it's always been about ensuring value for our investment. Um, as I listed in the previous question, all of the things that we have to do in our community, and again, we only have 10 cents uh, on every tax dollar collected in our city to do that. So in order to make the best value for our tax dollars, our city uh, seven years ago started the asset management program where we measure and we put a lifespan to every one of our assets in our city. Now, this is the really interesting part. It, we, have, uh, we have 747 kilometers of linear assets, which is the roads, the streets, the water pipes, the sewer pipes, the, the uh, drainage pipes. 747 kilometers, folks. That would go from Yorkton on the Yellowhead Highway all the way to Vagerville. 
And that does not speak to the bricks and the mortar that we have. Our recreation facilities, our water plants, our police stations, all those things that we have to put money into. I would advocate that we take a look and spend our money the very best we can. If someone has a good plan at 0%, I will look at it. But I will not look at it for long term. We need to ensure we have the money to look after our assets. If inflation proves to be greater than 0% in 2020 and 2021 and beyond, how do you propose the city implement 0% tax increases, Dick DeRyke? I'm not proposing a 0% tax increase, Randy. I'm proposing a complete review of all city spending leading to tax relief. Until we know the impact of COVID-19 on city finances, and there will be impact which we may not know for a couple of years, we need to concentrate on what is necessary to provide our residents with the necessary services and curtail discretionary spending. The city has a cash surplus that needs to need to be tapped. It was mentioned earlier. The city budgets for and achieves a surplus annually. That operating surplus provides for capital projects and debt repayment, but there are additional monies beyond that that go into surplus funds. Maybe we don't budget to collect $7 million more than we spent as we did in 2019. And maybe we don't do that when times are tough and our residents and businesses need help. Municipalities are not allowed, for, allowed to budget for deficits like the province and the feds can, so we must be careful. But to put it in perspective, a $7 million surplus represents 30% of the city's tax revenue. In other words, theoretically, the city could reduce your property taxes by a third and still have a balanced budget. Quinn Hader, Randy Golden, and Dick DeWright, group number five. Monday, November 9th, is going to be election day. There has been an advance poll at the Flexi Hall. There'll be another this Saturday from noon till 5, and the last one, November 5th, from noon till 8. There will be drive-through polls as well at the Agri Pavilion, November 3rd and 4th from noon till 8 o'clock. Our thanks to the Chamber of Commerce, President Mike Stackhouse, Executive Director Juanita Pelegi, uh, Dennis Dick of The Rock 98.5, Ron Irvine from Access Now, all locally inclined. We thank you for being here. Mitch Hipsley, Aaron Keenley, Calvin Tikarchuk, C.V. Sastry, Doug Forster, Dustin Breers, Jordan Rosla, Cam Maling, Loretta Ritchie McKinnis, Scott Sharp, Terry Schneider, Darcy Zaharia, Chris Wyatt, Ken Chiz, Quinn Hader, Randy Golden, and Dick DeWright. Good luck to all of you. Monday, November 9th, get out and vote. It's real important you do. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Thanks for watching and listening. Have a great night.